0: Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine on this Sunday morning. Thrilled to have you here with us. Well, one of the places that I've always wanted to go, and I'm excited to talk with the executive director, is the Wild Animal Sanctuary here in Colorado, Pat Craig, executive director. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you for being here. Let's talk a little bit about the Wild Animal Sanctuary, and tell me about your organization. What do you do? Where are you located?
1: Well, the Wild Animal Sanctuary is located northeast of Denver, um, in the small town of Kenesburg, Colorado, or outside of the small town. But anyway, we have uh, just under 800 acres here that we run in a, a wild animal sanctuary for lions, tigers, bears, and other animals that were rescued.
0: And how did this come to be here in Colorado?
1: <laughs> it started here in Colorado 41 years ago. I'm actually the executive director and founder of the organization. Um, I ended up 40 years ago finding out that many of the lions, tigers, and bears, and other animals that were in the zoo system were surplused and being euthanized on a regular basis, which was very surprising. So I had made many calls to try and solve the problem, but it didn't seem like anybody was going to help. And there was no humane societies for lions and tigers back then. So mm-hmm. I started the first sanctuary in the country to take in any animals that were going to be slated for being euthanized. And started going around the country and rescuing these animals and bringing them back to Colorado and building a the first sanctuary in the country for for this kind of animal, so wasn't anything that was planned, but it definitely started that way and then it grew over time and now we're the largest carnivore sanctuary in the world with over six hundred and fifty lions, tigers, bears, and other animals that were rescued from either illegal or or abusive situations.
0: Well, that's what I was gonna say, and I have heard you know a lot of people saw the Netflix show Tiger King. That right. you have some of the animals that were there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We just ended up shutting down the main characters in the in there as far as Joe Exotic went to to prison and then Jeff Lowe took over from there and they just the Department of Justice just shut down that facility and we took in um quite a few animals. We helped rescue sixty um sixty eight lions and tigers from there and we took in thirty five of those here at our own sanctuary and and then all told, with the other characters that were in that show, we've rescued over 127 of those animals so far.
0: Wow. What kind of conditions were they living in? Pretty terrible. That's the only reason they
1: were confiscated. You know, wouldn't have been a problem if they were kept in good condition and cared for. And, you know, most of these animals were either in really tiny cages or starving or not receiving medical care was one of the biggest problems that mm-hmm. they had. So many of them had many issues and some died because of those issues. And and it was just a real lack of... of care for the animals.
0: Right. And is that usually the case when you go to rescue an animal that you find those kind of conditions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The The people that get these animals, you know, just don't realize the, the amount of cost and, and work that it takes to care for a large carnivore. And obviously they're dangerous and, they're, um, and they eat a lot. But at the same time, there's so much more involved with, you know, giving them good health care and good, good diets and adequate enclosures that they can you know thrive in and not just be pacing and have zucosis kind of um, behaviors and things mm-hmm. like that so yeah the p- most people get into it and then just never put the effort in that it's required and so the animals end up you know suffering
0: right and that and that's why i think all of us saw and it was just heartbreaking to see do you feel like america has a problem with this wildlife situation where people are wanting to own these exotic animals
1: yeah we've we've have a problem and it's been the whole 40 years that we've been in existence has been fighting a number of different problems but one of those is people thinking that it can have one of these as a pet and other people that start some sort of roadside zoo or menagerie or some people are hoarders and you know and either way it's just been a a giant problem that we've had to battle and of course you know we've gotten lots of laws passed but of course people still break the law and do Mm -hmm. things illegally just like they do with guns or drugs or anything else and sure um you know, so it's an ongoing problem. We have over twenty five thousand lions, tigers, and bears that are outside of the zoo system in the United States right now
0: twenty five thousand I had no idea
1: yeah, it's a gigantic problem that we've you know we're us and as along with other sanctuaries are working very hard to try and correct the problem
0: right and and what is the correction?
1: The biggest thing is just to get people to realize you know that these are not pets and that they're not going to be good pets and that they're not a good thing to have in a terrible roadside zoo where their animals are suffering in small cages and our sanctuary specializes in giving these animals large acreage habitats instead of keeping them in traditional cages so most of our animals roam in habitats that range from five to three hundred acres in size and they're natural enclosures with you know it's so open and so large that it's like going back to the wild for the most part we we supply food and medical care but Many of the animals that live at our nine thousand acre sanctuary and, and refuge down in southern Colorado, you know, have never ever lived like that before in their life. They were born in a cage and grew up in a cage, and now they actually get to roam freely in these large um, habitats that are forested and you know have valleys and and springs and you know, creeks and things like that that they've just never done. And so they're living as close to the wild as you could possibly go.
0: And how do they adapt once you get them to the sanctuary?
1: It takes a lot of work to rehabilitate one of these animals. Um, again, most of them were born in captivity and raised in a small cage and, and you know, received poor food and poor medical care. And so you can't just take one of these animals and turn them loose into a large habitat like what we have. We We go through a rehabilitation process where they get to, learn about moving in from from a small cage to a bigger cage to a bigger space and then finally out into a more natural space and then we also build relationships so they can live with other animals of their own kind and have some you know family members and play and have somebody to go hang out with and so all those steps take a little bit of time so mm-hmm. some of our rehabilitation can be just a a few weeks, and some of it can take months or even a year to to get an animal back to where they can live in a more natural state.
0: Do you separate them by like tigers are here, bears are here, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, we have over 65 habitats here at this sanctuary, and so each habitat will have anywhere from just one or two to 6 or 8 or 10 and some of the bear habitats have upwards of 18 bears that live together and but we don't mix species obviously we don't have tigers and leopards and right. you know things living together like that but but we do want to make sure that they do live with others of their own kind so they can enjoy that social interaction.
0: And how does that work? I mean, here you're taking these animals that were unfortunately abused and kept in horrible living conditions and then reintroducing them to each other. Is that quite a process? Yeah.
1: You know, most people think, oh, my gosh, tigers live by themselves in the wild and mountain lions and so many of these animals are solitary in the wild, but that's based on food supply. So, mm-hmm. you know, like like African lions live in prides because there's plenty of food they can share but it takes all of them hunting together to catch something and other animals but live in areas where there's not enough food and so they have to live by themselves and but when they're in captivity and you're supplying the food and and you're giving them this nice big space they actually become very social and uh, it's kind of like somebody going from living on the streets and homeless to you know getting winning the lottery and living in a big mansion and suddenly having the resources to be friendly and, and start having more friends and and doing things, and so these animals go through that same kind of mental process of thinking, you know, hey, I lived in this terrible little cage and never had any food, and so I do want to, you know, defend myself and and not be social. To where they come here and get lots of great food, and and they start to get into bigger and bigger spaces where they feel more comfortable, and then all of a sudden they they kind of pine for having somebody to to hang out with and play mm-hmm. with, and so we start introducing them you know, by putting them adjacent to somebody so they can meet through a fence. And then eventually they get to the point where they like to sleep by each other and then they want to be near each other all the time. And so then we can start introducing them. And so it's a whole process that we've designed over the 40 years that we've done this. And it works really well to where we end up with very happy animals that can live in a giant, Habitat together and and really enjoy each
0: other's company. I mean, yeah, you started this organization so many years ago and kind of a pioneer in how this is all done. How did you figure it out?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I was 17 when I started and had no idea. I'd grown up on a farm, loved animals, and, you know, did really well with animals, but I never expected to work with lions or tigers or anything like that. But once I started to do it, I realized that most people back then had no clue. It was either, you know, circus people or People in the movie industry, or then the rest were in zoos or wherever and this this whole idea of animals being kept by people was something new and outside of the zoo system and so those animals back then nobody really treated them the way we do now and and so it was a real learning experience from day one about not only just the nutritional needs and the and the medical needs and the health needs that they needed but also this this whole psychology behind large carnivores and how they live you know the way they look at the world from being born in captivity and all that they're much different than if you went and took a lion or tiger from the wild and brought them back here they'd want to go back to where they came from where these guys have just been born in a tiny cage and and abused their whole life and so it's really weird to think of a lion or tiger that's full grown that when you take them here and you let them into a habitat they've never ran in their life before they've always just paced in a small cage and you think I'm it's hard to imagine that they've never actually run. Mm-hmm. So Some of them, when they run, they actually fall down because they have no motor skills and they Aww. look like they're drunk. And so it's really bizarre, but they really do catch up quickly. And with good food and exercise, they all really do come around and become these majestic creatures like they should be.
0: Yeah, they really are majestic. So speaking of food, uh, a tiger, I mean, how much food do they eat a day? And you've got a bunch of them.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Now we feed over 80,000 pounds of food a week here. And so that's um between the bears and then and the cats that are all carnivores that eat meat. So we a typical tiger will eat around anywhere from ten to fifteen pounds of raw meat a day. And with over six hundred and fifty animals, you know, here it's eighty thousand pounds a week and um and that includes, you know, us having to create the diet with vitamins and minerals added to it and and all the specialized things that they need,
0: and I mean that's got to cost a lot of money.
1: Yeah, that's about eight million dollars worth of food a year that that we feed.
0: So how do you get the funding for the wild animal sanctuary here in Colorado? Yeah,
1: we're a nonprofit, and so we don't receive any government subsidies or funding or of any kind. We just have a lot of people that have heard about us and that started supporting and donating and adopting animals virtually, of course. And mm-hmm. and so you know we have you know thousands of people here in Colorado and around the country that that are supporters that help us fund this organization on a yearly basis.
0: And what about for folks that want to come and visit?
1: Yeah. So that's the unique thing about our sanctuary is they can come visit the animals and it's on an elevated walkway that that way the animals don't feel the pressure of people visiting like they do in a traditional zoo setting. And right. so our animals aren't aren't pacing and they're actually sleeping and playing and having a great time. And the people can come visit here at the sanctuary um, by going to our website at wildanimalsanctuary.org. And, learning about, you know, the visiting and, and we're open seven days a week. And, you know, currently we we get over 150,000 visitors a year.
0: Wow. Do you have people that travel here to Colorado just to come and see you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have lots of people that have heard about this because it's so unique. I mean, there's just no other thing like it in in the world. And so we have people coming from all over the U.S. and even outside of the U.S. too come experience the sanctuary
0: and so it's an elevated walkway system um i would assume that you know you bring a camera with a great lens and you may get some incredible pictures
1: yeah it goes over you know all these different habitats so sometimes you're right above a lion or a tiger and other times they're you know anywhere from hundreds of yards out to you know even almost a half a mile away so we do encourage people to bring you know good cameras and and binoculars and we um But like I say, there's times where you're standing right above somebody and seeing a line of tire, you know, in a really nice setting and get a great picture, even with a cell phone. And other times you need a a nicer camera for that.
0: And what about for volunteer opportunities? Do you have those at the Wild Animal Sanctuary?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have over 160 volunteers currently, but with that kind of feeding schedule and the number of animals we have, we always need more volunteers. And so we have a very active volunteer program and, and that's available on our website as well for people to sign up and and start to help.
0: So what is your hope and your goal for the wild animal sanctuary in the next 10 years?
1: Yeah, our goal has always been to try and um end this problem because obviously these animals we'd love to just see them back in the wild and that's it and or maybe a few in zoos but but really there shouldn't be all these animals in these terrible places but um what's happened is as we started to get more control over it here in the United States um it's starting to happen in other countries as well so our future um, is going to be not only helping solve the problem in the United States, but also going to other countries and trying to stop it before it even gets to a, out of hand in those countries. And we've been doing that for the past 10 years. So we we do expect to be involved in this for quite some time. But we do also think that Tiger King helped you know 70 million people find out that this problem existed in the United States. So that's really a, a huge new factor that's going to help get a lot of these people you know put out of business and these animals into a much better place
0: absolutely and obviously i would also think that getting laws changed has got to be the backbone for this yeah
1: laws help tremendously obviously there's people like say that do break the law but But definitely having laws that say, look, you can't just have these animals in your backyard or try to keep it in an apartment or garage or whatever. But also the the welfare laws that Mm -hmm. when they are in a facility that they're cared for well there as well.
0: Well, Pat Craig, the executive director of Wild Animal Sanctuary, thank you so much for being with us today and joining us.
1: Well, thank you. We appreciated that too.
0: I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. For more information, just go to your radio station's website. And as always, go out, have a blessed Sunday, and be kind to everyone.